This is a podcast from ABC Radio Overnights. I'm Rod Quinn. Hello, my name is Mona Awad and I am a novelist and my favourite movie is Rear Window. Mona Awad is an award-winning Canadian writer whose debut book, 13 Ways of Looking at a Fat Girl, was described as beautifully told and profoundly sensitive. Her second novel, Bunny, was published in 2019 and was about a talented writer at an elite university. Her latest novel, All's Well, has just been published. Mona has studied at Edinburgh at Brown University, one of the prestigious Ivy League colleges, and received her PhD at the University of Denver. She loves Cold Cherries and Alfred Hitchcock movies. Rear Window is a 1954 film directed by Alfred Hitchcock and starring James Stewart, Grace Kelly, Thelma Ritter and Raymond Burr. Stewart plays a Life magazine photographer who's confined to a wheelchair in his two-room apartment with a broken leg in plaster after being hit by a racing car while on assignment. He has nothing else to do each day but stare out his window at his neighbours and what's going on in their apartments. He thinks he's seen a murder, but it takes a while to convince his girlfriend and the nurse who visits him every day and a friend who just happens to be a policeman. And while all that is going on, Grace Kelly is trying to convince him to leave his globetrotting days behind him and settle down with her. Mona, when did you first see Rear Window? I saw it as a, as a young uh, teen. I think I was maybe 12 or 13 years old. And my mother was such a huge fan of Hitchcock films. So she, she began to introduce me to them and she started with Rear Window because that was her favourite. And it quickly became my favorite. Everything about it, the colors, the glamour of Lisa Fremont, the shots, they were so voyeuristic. And I was already really, really interested in watching other people as, as a child. I was just, I guess I was already kind of developing an interest in, in character and in storytelling. So that, that movie just lends itself so well to that kind of curiosity because Jeffries, is, he's just stuck um you know injured in his apartment and and all he has to do the only entertainment he has is you know other people's lives that he can glimpse from his window did you grow up in an apartment i did yeah i grew up in an apartment in montreal unfortunately we didn't have any views of other people's (laughs) windows but but yes i did grow up in the apartment it's a movie that's kind of perfect for a lockdown isn't it Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and I revisited it um, during the pandemic. I sort of went back to to Hitchcock, I think, for comfort. I feel like I've always gone back to the Hitchcock films for comfort and to that one in particular, just because I think I've, I've watched it so many times. You know, it's almost like going home at this point. What did your mother like about that particular film, do you think? Uh, I think there were probably a few elements that she liked. I think that she loved, you know, she loved James Stewart, uh, for one, of course, such a great actor and such a great hero, a great heroic figure who's who's flawed, you know, and funny and charming. And I just think she loved suspense. And that film just ratchets up the suspense in so many compelling ways. Um, and there's so much intrigue. Uh, she loved uh, mystery novels. And, and what I think I love about Rear Window that she did too is there's a lot of subplots going on because we're privy to these different 
different windows with these different lives going on behind the window. And you can kind of make up your own story about what's happening there. And so I think she loved that. And then she also loved Grace Kelly, too, I think. Grace Kelly was so charming in the Hitchcock films. She was brilliant in this one. I want to get back to that. Those subplots are key to the film, aren't they? Because even though, yes, it is a mystery and we want to know, is Raymond Burr's character, Lars Thorwald, is he a murderer? Did he kill his wife? And at the same time, Grace Kelly wants to get married to James Stewart. And then as James Stewart looks out at his neighbours, he sees the various stages of marriage. There is the old couple, Sam Drucker from Green Acres and uh, Beverly Hillbillies and Petticoat Junction. He's there. And then there's the newlyweds who stay in bed the whole time. There's the uh, Miss Lonely Hearts who can't find a man. There's Miss Torso, as uh, James Stewart calls her, uh, who's waiting for, well, we don't know, but she is waiting for her husband or boyfriend or whatever he is to come home from the army. So he sees all of that, doesn't he? They are the subplots. It's it's love and marriage in all its forms. That's right. That's right. Yeah, no, I know. It's so, it's so interesting. So all of that is probably informing his own feelings, his own kind of cynicism towards marriage that Lisa doesn't really share. Grace Kelly's character. That's so interesting. And of course, like the the most disturbing transgressive subplot of all of those is the subplot of, you know, Raymond Burr's character, Thorwald, who kills his wife. It's fascinating. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's that interesting tension there um, between the desire for marriage and then what the potential outcomes of, of marriage might be, potentially fatal yes, outcomes. Exactly. Of marriage. There's also <laughs> the emasculation in a way, of James Stewart, that he is there in this cast. He cannot move. And there's the weird kind of phallic aspect of his camera. And it's only when he gets his camera out and sees Mm -hmm. what's happening with Lars Thorwald across the way, Raymond Burr may be killing his wife, that's when he becomes a man again. Yeah, that's true. It's when he really begins to take agency um, in the film and his curiosity is awakened. He's sort of roused from his heat wave induced, injury induced stupor. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great moment in the film because suddenly things become very tense and you're very excited and also very afraid because he is watching with abandon. You know, he's not terribly careful because he just gets so drawn into the story. Also, for a movie set in a two-room apartment, and that's basically all you see, and you look out and see the neighbours, of course, you mentioned the colour. This is one of the most sumptuously colourful films ever made. It is a remarkable movie, isn't it? It really is. I just I think that that's, that's one of the reasons why I go back to Hitchcock and to that film in particular. There is just something so... There's a fantastic element to the to the color, you know, the yes. the kind of the saturation, the technicolor. It's 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 entrancing, um, and and it it heightens the sense of unreality, the sense of mystery um, that I think the film is 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 trying to convey through the atmosphere. And there's so many different components to that, you know, Edith Head's costuming of Lisa Fremont. The gowns are just so sumptuous, so over the top, given given the circumstances. You know, yes. it's entrancing. It casts a spell, and color is a huge part of that. Lisa Fremont is Grace Kelly's character in the movie. She's introduced to us in one of the most wonderful 
introductions in film history, one of the great entrances in film history as she suddenly appears and comes closer and closer to the camera, a real close-up, and then there's this strange kind of slow-motion kiss to awaken James Stewart, almost like Sleeping Beauty being awakened by the prince, but in reverse. Yeah, there's. you're absolutely right. There's a fairy tale element to it. It's almost like she appears to him in a dream um, and then the dream slowly becomes a reality. That I, I, When I watch that scene of her sort of leaning forward, it always looks like almost a mistake, yeah. the way that it's shot, the, the way that she's moving towards him. Yeah, it's it's very dreamlike, very surreal. Um, and I, I love those little moments in the film, those little moments of surreality. And that's that's certainly one of them, that entrance. Yeah, And another one is later on in the film when people sort of are running around the courtyard, it seems like it's speeded up. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that it's, uh, it's such a strange moment. And it's another moment where I sort of do a double take. And I think that I... Did I see that wrong? What has he done there? Is he speeding up time? And I, I do think that he is. Yeah, that that sequence of, of falling and, and, and the running in the courtyard at the climax is, mm. is remarkable. And again, very surreal. Now, given that you've seen this movie so many times, can you remember what you felt about it when you saw it for the first time? I think I felt excited as a storyteller. I, I just felt this sense of possibility. And even though it was, you know, I mean, it's it's a it's a murder mystery, you know, it's it, there's violence in the film and violence towards women. Uh, it enchanted me because of the way in which it explored that. It explored it through voyeurism. It explored it through these really interesting um, subplots. It explored it through this 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 kind of glamorous presentation of like a hot summer in Greenwich Village. It really captivated me as a storyteller. I think that that's what excited me that sense of possibility in storytelling on my favorite movie Mona Awad is our guest and we're talking about Rear Window the 1954 Alfred Hitchcock movie starring James Stewart as LB Jeffries and Grace Kelly as Lisa Fremont and Raymond Burr as Lars Thorwald the murderer I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't seen it but he is deliberately designed to look like somebody that Hitchcock didn't like and that's David O. Selznick he really didn't like Selznick and he made sure that Raymond Burr looked like him, made him into a killer. He was really, truly terrifying to me as a child, and he still is. There's something so monstrous about those glimpses that we get of him through Jeffrey's POV, usually during the day. Usually he's just doing, he's yawning, laying out on his couch. And yet, and yet, he seems so sinister. But my favorite shot uh, the, the scariest shot of, of Thorwald, I think, in the film is the scene where he is in his room and it's dark. Yeah. The only evidence that we see of his presence is just the the tip of his cigarette, the lit tip of his cigarette. It's just a black square with that <laughs> like that red amazing. That dot. is incredible, that scene. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> it's it is so amazing. menacing, isn't it? Yes, it's wonderful wonderful what a great presentation of monstrousness right there it's funny you should say you know your favorite shots from the movie because people generally think about their favorite lines from a movie like this do you have favorite lines from the movie as well I probably do have fair. I love um Thelma Ritter in the film she's the (laughs) you know the, the nurse yeah, this very cynical nurse. She's got some great lines. You know, she's so 
she's so cynical because of her job, but she still cares. You can tell that she is she is a caring person and she actually wants Jeffries to get better. She hopes he'll get better. She hopes he'll settle down with Lisa Fremont. <laughs> Who you know? wouldn't, though? Can you believe? I mean, this is Grace Kelly at her Grace Kellyest. This is 1954, which is peak Grace Kelly. And James Stewart is, is is vacillating. He doesn't know, should he, should he not? I mean, he would have to give up his globe-trotting lifestyle as an adventure photographer, basically. But who wouldn't do that for Grace Kelly? I never I know. understood that. Me neither. It's the thing about the film that drives me the most mad is how he negs her. He just <laughs> constantly negging her, and she just takes it. And you can tell she's such a great actress because she you can tell that it's affecting her so much, but she just she has so much pride, you know, that... She 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 hears it. She internalizes it. It hurts her, but she's gonna keep. She's gonna she's gonna keep going. She's not gonna let let him sh- let him see that it hurts her. Yeah. You know, it's it's wonderful, but it's also infuriating. It's like the moments in the film where I feel so angry towards Jeffries is that he's just treating this incredibly glamorous, like, you know, wonderful woman in such a dismissing way. Even though you can tell that he is obviously, of course, attracted to her at the same time. Mm. But he really only grows to love her, I think, anyway, when she does something dangerous. When she goes into Thorwald's apartment to try and find this wedding ring, which would prove that the wife didn't go away on holidays, but in fact she was murdered. And that's what impresses James Stewart. And he later says, I was so proud of you. And that's when we think, okay, maybe they do have a future together. Yeah, it's amazing to sort of watch him become... To really to to fall under her spell finally, you know, when she takes that incredible risk. Though I have to say, as a kid watching that, (laughs) that was the most nail biting (laughs) scene. I mean, I just it was so awful to watch her climb up those stairs and go and sneak into Thorwald's apartment. Oh my god! I mean, I was just on the edge of my seat because I didn't trust Hitchcock to to save her. I really didn't. Uh, I thought anything could truly happen. I guess maybe that's one of the things about Hitchcock that's so fascinating is there is that sense that things could really go terribly wrong. He's not necessarily going to give you an easy fix. And so those scenes, are they're really harrowing because you know that, you know. And anyone seeing it now perhaps might have seen Psycho first and they are following Janet Leigh in Psycho. She gets killed. Sorry to spoil yeah. it again. A third of the way into the movie. She is the star. We are following her story. It doesn't become Anthony Perkins' story until basically a third of the way in the film when she is killed. So it's quite possible that Alfred Hitchcock would kill Grace Kelly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I hadn't seen Psycho um, when I first saw um, Rear Window, but uh, there was something in the storytelling itself there was something in the presentation of that film, Rear Window, that made it feel like absolutely this is a film in which Lisa Fremont could be killed. Mm. Um, the heroine of the film, when you know, uh, she could be killed. She throws everything at James Stewart, doesn't she? She goes to get dinner delivered. This is, again, something like out of the pandemic and the lockdown that you have the food delivered to you. She goes to the famous 21 Club and brings lobster around for dinner. That's fantastic. And then she shows him her nightgown and says, preview of coming attractions. 
the, the double entendre, in fact, between them is brilliantly done. It's superbly done. This is also a really funny movie. It's not just Thelma Ritter, who is hilarious in this film, but the banter back and forwards between Grace and James Stewart and then uh, Wendell Corey, the policeman, when he comes on as well, that's also hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's something I really enjoyed about the film too. It's one of the reasons I go back to it is that sense of humor, that sense of banter between the characters, the energy in their exchanges. You know, it's comedic, it can be dark, it can be so fraught. But, you know, as a writer who's interested in comedy, uh, you know, there's always comedy in my books, no matter how dark they go. I love that about them. And it's very Shakespearean too, the energy and the dialogue, the, the kind of comedic components of it so yeah it's really wonderful is there anything about the film you don't like you mentioned before perhaps the way women are treated what else don't you like about the film or what is it about that that you don't like it doesn't feel sincere that's the one thing about the film that i don't believe i just don't i don't believe that he would he would do that to that woman uh jeffries that he would treat lisa fremont like that Uh, maybe he would but to my ear it doesn't quite ring true. And and it bothers me as a woman. It bothers me to see her diminished in that way. I think the way that she handles it, the way that Grace Kelly's character, the way that the actor in Grace Kelly handles it is very humanizing and very complex. And I love that. But that's what she's bringing to the role. You know, she's bringing it to those lines. She's infusing those lines with a, a, a complexity and a humanity. Jeffrey's lines... They just feel, I, I don't know, I just don't, I don't believe that he would treat her that way. I think he would be seduced by her. I think he would be more vulnerable. Unfortunately, he's very vulnerable because he's in plaster. Um, right, exactly. All the more reason. But do you think she knows he's a better man than he's pretending to be? Because one of the things we don't know about them is how long they've been together. You know, is this a new relationship? It seems like they're very comfortable with each other and she is starting to get sick of him not wanting to commit and that's a familiar story with many relationships isn't it women were always in the 50s movies trying to get men to commit and in that way it goes down a familiar path doesn't it absolutely i think it's a trope and i think that it's you know it's it's a reflection of the time in which it was filmed um you know the exploration of that trope and that dynamic i do think that that is absolutely part of it it's, a, it's something about the film that whenever I come back to it, I'm just like, oh, don't say that to her. <laughs> don't say that to Grace Kelly. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This was during Hitchcock's great era. Really, from the 1950s, from about 1949 to 1960, they were his greatest films. He didn't really make a great movie after 1960, after Psycho, but he made all his best films perhaps with the exception maybe of Rebecca in 1940, he was making them later on. He was Strangers on a Train and then Mm -hmm. uh, Dial in for Murder, Vertigo, of course, and uh, To Catch a Thief. They were all in that 10-year period. What else do you like about what Hitchcock did? Um, I mean, I love Dial in for Murder so, so much. The dialogue in that film, the energy of the dialogue in that film is, is incredible. So maniacal, this murderous husband. And Grace Kelly, of course, getting framed. Wonderful. For anybody who hasn't seen it, that's, that's, it's a remarkable film. But Marnie <laughs> with uh, Tippi Hedren, it's such a bizarre film. But I love Tippi Hedren. I just love her indomitable spirit in the film and her vulnerability in the film. It's an exploration of 
past trauma. And the thing I love about it is it uses the surreal to signal that. So whenever her character sees red, she kind of unravels psychologically and emotionally and even physically. And we don't know why. And that's the mystery. That's, that's the mystery of the film is, is this, she sees this red and suddenly, suddenly she's undone. Uh, and I just loved that when I first saw it. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. We can probably extend the Hitchcock Golden Era to say 1963 after Marnie and then The Birds as well. The Birds is an amazing film too. Oh, so good. She is, she is another heroine of Hitchcock's that I just love. She's another actor that I think brings so much complexity to those characters, just in the way that she handles them on screen. You know, her, her facial expressions, her body language, um, her emotional, the emotional life behind her eyes. You know, it's, it's what gives the film it's really layered sense of, of suspense and, and exploration of a psyche. How has the film affected your writing or your life, do you think? Oh, I, I really think that it's affected it quite a lot. I think I learned a lot about storytelling from Hitchcock. I'm very interested in suspense. I'm very interested in double entendres, which he is too. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm very interested in, in using um, elements of the surreal to explore psychological reality. I'm interested in our darker impulses and how they manifest in our everyday lives uh, and relationships. Um, And I'm interested in that vivid, uh, heightened sense of story um, that's explored through color and that's explored through sound um, in the films. And, And especially the, yeah, the energy in those dialogues are so great. I just love them so much. Tell me about the attraction of watching it while eating cold cherries. <laughs> so that was my mother. Um, my mother worked in service. Uh, she was a, a hotel um, dining room manager in a hotel. And, uh, and so her job was to really be on every day. And, uh, and so at night, she either liked to read a mystery novel or a spy novel or watch an old movie, especially a suspense film. And Hitchcock was her favorite. And her ritual was to, um, to put cherries either in the freezer for maybe like... 10 to 15 minutes just to really chill them or to keep them in the fridge and then just pop them in the freezer for a few minutes just to get them extra cold and then to watch uh to watch Hitchcock she just loved it I I guess there was just something about the cold cherries that worked with the Hitchcock I mean she never fully explained it to me um so I had to parse it out later the mystery of it was part of I think what was so attractive to me but I fully got it once I started you know joining her um, and eating cherries with her. There, there is something about the cold cherry that works with Hitchcock. You know, they're tart and sweet. So they have this shadow side and this kind of like light side to them. And it's a very visceral experience, just like Hitchcock. And it's a heightened experience of eating a cherry. So it's just like Hitchcock's sort of heightened experience of what it is to be alive in those films. So it really works to anybody who, you know, who is a fan of Hitchcock, I would highly recommend putting a bowl of uh, cherries in the freezer for 10 minutes and taking them with you when you watch uh, your next Hitchcock film. Especially Rear Window, because it's so hot. It's 92 degrees at the start of the film. And that's another thing. We see the temperature gradually dropping, I suppose, as the summer wanes and the tension goes up as the heat goes down. 
That's right. Yeah, it's such a great parallelism there with the heat. Yeah, going up. It's wonderful. I love that. And that's another reason I think that I always associate the cold cherries with Hitchcock is because when, when she first introduced me to the films, it was in the summer. And so it was like a particularly exciting treat. Mona, thank you so much for telling us about your favorite movie, Rear Window. Oh, thank you so much, Rod, for having me on the show. Overnights with Rod Quinn on ABC Radio.